The lesson today is Jesus is the way. The Gospel of Luke is a literary masterpiece, beautifully depicting the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the climax of Luke's Gospel is the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. But the heart is the travel, narr narr travel narrative where Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. While journeying from Galilee to Jerusalem, Jesus performed miracles and taught about the kingdom of God and the way of salvation. In Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 35, Jesus portrayed himself as the narrow door of salvation who saves sinners through his sacrificial death and victorious resurrection, which would be accomplished in Jerusalem. Every poor person is born a sinner, spiritually lost and separated from God by sin. The only way to be reconciled to God and enter his kingdom is through Jesus, the narrow door. No other way to salvation exists. Jesus is the only way. Yet Jesus reminded his listeners that not everyone would be saved. Some would refuse to enter through the narrow door and participate in God's kingdom. Despite proximity to and familiarity with Jesus, they would be thrown out of God's kingdom. Therefore, Jesus exhorted his listeners to make every effort to enter through the narrow door. The first point of the lesson is the narrow door, which is found in Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 30. He went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, someone asked him, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, Many will try to enter and won't be able. Once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door, then you will stand outside and knock on the, uh, knock on the door, saying, Lord, open up for us. He will answer you. I don't know you or where you're from. Then you will say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I will tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. When you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves thrown out, they will come from east and west, from north and south, to share the banquet in the kingdom of God. Note, this, that some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. Jesus traveled to Jerusalem where he would be crucified, buried in a borrowed tomb, and raised from the dead on the third day. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was asked the significant question, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? The parables in the previous section prompted the question. The inquirer was likely captivated by the size of the mustard seed 
and small amount of leaven, leading to his question about the number of those that were actually be saved. In response, Jesus exhorted listeners to make every effort to enter through the passage door, the narrow door. Jesus was not suggesting sinners were saved by human effort. This would go against the New Testament's teaching on salvation by grace through faith. Rather, he emphasized the earnestness with which we should seek God's kingdom, which can only be entered through faith in Jesus. No other way of salvation exists. Jesus is the narrow door, and all who desire to enter God's kingdom must come through him. There's an urgency, though. The opportunity for salvation will eventually disappear. Jesus said many people will try to enter and won't be able. Because the owner of the house gets, shut, gets up and shuts the door, at some point, either through physical death or at the end times, the door of salvation will be closed to them. Once closed, a person will be unable to enter God's kingdom. They might stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open for us. But the Lord will say, I don't know you or where you're from. They may have eaten meals with him and listened to his teaching, but they did not receive him or possess a relationship with him. Therefore, he will say, get away from me, all you evildoers. <clears throat> the interaction between Jesus and those who cannot enter God's kingdom teaches a powerful lesson. Familiarity with Jesus is not a substitute for faith in Jesus. These seekers are turned away because they failed to enter through the narrow door while it was open. Jesus described the destination of the wicked as a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus used this language to paint a very vivid picture of the grief and anguish of those who cannot enter the kingdom of God. Rather than enjoying a meal in the kingdom of God, the wicked will experience pain and sorrow and anger. Those who ate meals with Jesus and heard him teach are left outside the kingdom of God if they do not trust in him. Their despair is compounded by the fact that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets participate in God's kingdom while they are left out. The God in the Old Testament is the same God here in the New. But through Jesus, the narrow door, and the only way we see more clearly that the one God is triune, one God in three persons, those who don't believe are outside looking into the kingdom of God where the patriarchs and prophets enjoy a meal at God's table while they are excluded. Yet the exclusion of the wicked does not mean only a few people will enter God's kingdom. Jesus described people from east and west, from north and south, who would enter God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is not reserved for Jews alone. People from all over the world will enter God's kingdom and share the banquet in the kingdom of God. The Gentile inclusion indicates an eschatological or end times reversal, which is why Jesus said, Note this, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. The Gentiles, whom Paul described as being foreigners to the covenants 
of the promise are sharing the banquet in the kingdom of God. Through the doors, though the door is narrow, it is available for anyone to enter. The second point is the coming death. That's Luke chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. At that time, some Pharisees came and told him, Go, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go tell that fox, Look, I'm driving out demons and performing healings today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will complete my work. Yet it is necessary that I travel today, tomorrow, and the next day, because it is not possible for a prophet to perish outside of Jerusalem. After Jesus' teaching on how some will be cast out and some will be invited into the kingdom, some Pharisees came and warned him, Go, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. The Gospel writers often portray the Pharisees as enemies of Jesus who challenge his authority, question his miracles, and oppose his teaching. Yet here the Pharisees' motivation is unclear. The Pharisees may have been looking for a way to get Jesus to move on and leave quickly. Or they could simply be delivering a message. Regardless, the chief antagonist in the passage was Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was tetrarch of Galilee and Perea. His father Herod the Great was reigning when Christ was born and unsuccessfully attempted to kill Jesus. Like his father, Herod Antipas wanted to kill Jesus and threatened to accomplish what his father could not in verse 1. Eventually, Herod Antipas, in concert with Pontius Pilate, succeeded in killing Jesus. But here, Luke simply recorded the threat which was intended to intimidate Jesus and deter him from accomplishing his mission. Jesus was not intimated, however. He replied, Go, tell that fox, look, I'm driving out demons and performing healings today, and tomorrow and on the third day I will complete my th work. The exact meaning of the fox imagery is unclear. Jesus could be highlighting the craftiness of Herod, or he could be mocking Herod as a fox rather than a lion. Regardless, Jesus would not be deterred by Herod's threats. Jesus continued performing miracles as he traveled to Jerusalem, specifically casting out demons and healing people. Jesus' miracles demonstrated he was the Messiah who had come to save his people, Jesus would not be shaken from accomplishing his mission. Ultimately, Jesus knew his mission would result in his death. The Pharisees hoped Jesus would not continue traveling to Jerusalem. Yet Jesus knew he would die in Jerusalem because he told the Pharisees, It is not possible for a prophet to perish outside of Jerusalem. Jesus' response reveals that his death was part of God's providential plan and that he was going to fulfill that plan no matter what the cost. While Herod and the religious leaders conspired to put Christ to death and were responsible for their actions, God was sovereignly working through them to redeem sinful humanity. Peter noted that their responsibility and God's sovereignty in his prayer in Acts chapter 4, verse 27 to 28. 
For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. The death of Jesus was not accidental. It happened according to a plan. Jesus knew he had to die for the sins of the world. He knew where he would die in Jerusalem. He knew how he would die, by being lifted up or crucified. He knew these details because he is the Son of God and has set out on a mission to do exactly this for the salvation of humankind. His love and faithfulness to his people set him out on a seemingly impossible task where he he sacrificed and suffered not only in his death, but in his life. He was opposed, mocked, persecuted, abandoned, and betrayed, finally resulting in his torture and death. And he continued on this journey for you and for me to give us life. The third point in this lesson is the future adoration. That's Luke chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you're not willing. See, your house is abandoned to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus journeyed to Jerusalem to die, which should not have been surprising, given the city's history. Jesus lamented over the city and highlighted its bloody past. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones, those who were sent to her. The Old Testament recounts the death of various prophets. Many of the Lord's prophets were killed by Jezebel. Uriah was killed by Jehoiakim. Zechariah was stoned by Joash. The city of Jerusalem, specifically the Pharisees and religious leaders, had rejected Christ and would eventually kill him, just as they had killed the prophets who came before him. Several of Jesus' parables reflected Israel's rejection of God's messengers. The parable of the wicked tenants is one example focused on the theme of rejection. In the parable, a man planted a vineyard and leased it to tenant farmers. When the man sent his servants three times to gather fruit from the vineyard, the tenant farmers beat the servants and sent them away. Finally, the farmer sent his son, believing the farmers would respect him. Tragically, the farmers killed the son to steal his inheritance. The parable concludes with the vineyard owner returning to punish the wicked tenants. The message of this parable really is clear. Judgment awaits those who reject God's messengers. The servants represented God's prophets who warned Israel to repent and return to God. The son represented Jesus, the son of God, who would be killed by the religious leaders and the Roman government. The wicked tenants represented the people of Israel, especially the Pharisees, scribes, and religious leaders who rejected Jesus during his earthly ministry. Despite the city's rejection of the prophets and Jesus in particular, Jesus displayed compassion 
for the city and its inhabitants. He used the imagery of a mother hen gathering her chicks under her wings to convey his desire to protect them. How often I wanted to gather your children together as hen gathers her chicks under her wings. The imagery is drawn from the Old Testament, which uses zoomorphic language to describe God as a bird. The point of imagery is clear. Jesus cares for the city of Jerusalem and expresses his compassion for them. Unfortunately, the people are obstinate. They refuse to come to Jesus and find protection. The problem is the heart of the people. They refuse to enter God's kingdom through the narrow door. Because of their rejection, Jesus pronounced judgment on Jerusalem. See, your house is abandoned to you. This imagery is drawn from the Old Testament as well. The prophet Jeremiah warned about God's judgment on Israel and the possibility of God abandoning or forsaking the people due to sin. The warning becomes a reality as Jesus is more emphatic that Jeremiah's statement of the potential rejection of the nation, he says that at a time of abandonment has come. Rather than being gathered under God's wings, their house is left empty and exposed. The now empty house is the nation. Because they have rejected Jesus, they must face God's judgment on the nation. While judgment was certain, Jesus did not leave them without hope. He pointed to a future time when they would see him and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Some have read this as a reference to the triumphal entry. But in Matthew's gospel, Jesus made this statement after the triumphal entry. Jesus was referring to a future time when Israel would recognize him as the Messiah. One day, Israel will enter God's kingdom through the narrow door. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to save us. And just pray for those that are listening to this lesson today that are sick and hurting, that you would raise them up and lift them up and send the Holy Spirit to comfort them. And Lord, I pray for others that are listening to this lesson that you would just send the Holy Spirit ahead of them this week and guide and direct them and inspire them in who they need to share this loving gospel with. For it's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Amen.